if you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hire this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going to Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to MarcellaAlonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did Hello and welcome to Sunday Fun Day. Today, my guest is Gwen La Roca. Yay! It's so nice. We were just talking earlier, and we were having. Uh, I feel like now I've known you forever. <laughs> For the little it's bit of time, only been five minutes, Marcella. Only been five, five minutes. <laughs> um, for my audience, tell me about you. Are from, you're a Chicago-based comic? Yes, yes. Chicago, born and raised. Um, but my mom's me visitas from Mexico and my dad is Guatemalteco. He's from Guatemala. He's from Guatemala? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. And you, so you've been in, you've been in Chicago your whole entire life? Yep. Yep. Wow. And I freaking love it. You know, I've actually never been to Guatemala. My, um, my dad hadn't been since he was a kid. Uh-huh. Um, he actually went, he passed, he passed this last February, this last uh, January, not this year, last year. But mm-hmm. my mom and him got to go to his, uh, his uh, childhood, you know, neighborhood out in Watford before he passed. And I regret going, man. I, I should have gone. So anybody out there from Guatemala, let me know where to go. I'd like to know. So I used to go to Mexico all the time, you know, that, that drill every summer. It's like, vamos a Mexico. We're going to go visit Abuelita. But, um, but yeah, other than my little annual trips to Mexico, Chicago's where it's at, baby. Yeah, I went last year the first time in Chicago, and I didn't. I noticed it was such a crazy um, Latin influence that I really didn't know about. It was, it was weird because I didn't know there was so many Latinos in Chicago. We're yeah, and I, and I don't know if you've heard this before. We're we're like the most segregated melting pot ever. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. Chicago is like a little bit of everything, but it's very like you cross the street. That's that neighborhood. You cross the street. This is this neighborhood. But but it's awesome because you get a little bit of everything. So I'm sure. How long were you here for? When you came just a out? weekend, just a weekend, because oh. I was working at a convention. Oh, okay. So you didn't get to go to a lot. Of, like, did you did you get to eat some good food? Because that's a that's another beautiful thing about. No, Chicago. no, I didn't have a chance. But the, at the convention, I noticed they were every like a lot of Latinos, and um, they were very very polite. Um, uh, because over here in New York, they're like, Hey baby, Hey, you know, Oh yeah, mommy. Yeah. And everybody was like, like that. So polite and nice. And I was like, Oh, wow. Everybody was so polite. And, um, like I had such, it was, uh, I had such a nice experience in Chicago. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Cause sometimes I, I, 
thought that's what we were known for, for being friendly people. And then I, I remember where I went, some other state, and somebody said to me, oh, you guys, oh, you guys are, like, I guess we were known to be rude with that group of people. And I was like, oh, no way. I'm like, I'm sorry, whoever, whoever, you know, you cross paths with on your visits, come back, we're not all assholes. Um, so I'm glad you got a good, you know, you got a good No, no, I had a good, it was probably like the best, uh experience uh similar to LA because like a lot of like in LA I have a good experience with a lot of Latinos so Chicago was but they were the nicest everybody was very very polite I didn't get to eat any good food because I was over by the convention center and it was just a short trip because I basically was working but everybody that I met was I was impressed I was like damn this is where Kanye's from they're all not like (laughs) you're like they all got their marbles what's going on well, come back. When, whenever you come back, let me know. We'll go get some, get our grub on and we'll go catch some shows because there's a lot of shit to cover out here. Um, oh, wow. So tell me, how did you get into comedy? Oh, man. So it's so funny, the journey, um, because even though my mind, like as a kid, kid, I knew uh-huh. I wanted to be a performer, entertainer. I didn't necessarily know exactly how that looked like Mm -hmm. what the path was and it's not like I necessarily was taking active steps to steps to get there you know what I mean so like I guess to start at the very beginning is from my earliest memories um I remember walking around with a little white speaker phone white and pink little speaker toy that we would like the little Fisher Price one yeah um I don't know if you remember that show Bienvenidos yes I used to watch Bienvenidos a lot as a kid, um, and in Living Color, loved in Living Color. Um, I watched a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, comedic shows like that, and I would memorize some of the Spanish tropes, and I would take my little white speaker, and I would bust into my parents' bedroom, and I'd be like, "Miss Wayco, down in cheese day," you know, <laughs> a joke, and then I would repeat the shit I heard on the show. And in my mind, I was just like, "That's what I want to do when I grow up," but I didn't know that that was sketch comedy. I didn't know there was stand-up. I didn't, in my mind, I categorized it like, I want to be a funny actress. Uh-huh. That's all I knew. I just knew that I liked making people laugh. It's not like even at that age, I was even thinking of fame either. Right. I, that. I was just like, this makes me feel good and it's funny and people like laughing and I like to make people feel good. Right. And so I loved it. And then... um you know, you just do what you do in life. You do what you're supposed to do. You, you do your your basic shit. I was doing And also, stuff. growing up, we didn't have really no representation. Right. So it's not like I saw exactly, other than, you know, India Maria. For me, I grew up also watching a lot of India Maria movies and like Cantitas. But even that to me, I was like, that's so, it felt so far out of reach that I was like, I don't even know. I didn't even understand the concept of Hollywood. I just knew. This looks like fun stuff to do. These people are acting goofy and I want in. Mm-hmm. Um, so then fast forward years later, I'm doing what normal kids do, you know, go to school, play, not doing anything um, crazy like drama. We didn't even have drama or anything like that in my grammar school. Um, and then I got into, you know, I always grew up listening to hip hop things to my older brothers. Thank God for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put me on to, to that real hip hop. And so I got into my B-girl circles and my, my B-boy ciphers and I started B-girling and rhyming and I'm seeing and doing spoken word and writing, writing rhymes and stuff. 
And I would hit up a lot of open mics doing doing that. I'll go to a lot of b-boy competitions. And that was the world I was immersed in, breakdancing on cardboard, going to practices, graffiti writing, and then school. That, mm -hmm. that was it. So again, nothing with any of that. But unbeknownst to me, this path was leading me to being comfortable on stage because I was hitting the mics. I was like doing my spoken word. Or I would be like, well, let's post a little freestyle. And we'd do little ciphers and that would rhyme. And that was already me performing in front of people without. Right. So you broke that, that uh, site. Like you, you kind of do have to, if you've been a performer on stage, to get used to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, being in crowds and having the nerves and like jumping mm -hmm. on a cipher and, you know, all that stuff. I had already, I was already doing that. And then, um, um, because I still had the love for comedy and, and, and I wanted to be some sort of comedic actress on, on some level. Again, I didn't, I still kind of didn't know the concept of, of stand-up other than, now when I say concept, I mean like deep, like I wasn't studying, you know, like let me research stand-up. The most I had got into it was, um, that's when Comic, uh, Comic View uh, was on. BC. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And I would grab VHS tapes. And for the old school heads in the house, you know, you want to record over the tapes. You would put little pieces of paper and the little holes and a little piece of electrical tape over it. And I'd slide the tape into the v into the VCR and I would hit record. And I would record all the comic view. Um, that's when I got put out to some more and all these comics. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. But I wasn't, a, I couldn't really watch it openly because it was, it was, they were cussing. So my parents would come into the room. I'd turn the shit off and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> what about tattoos or something? But I was right. watching stand-up, liking what they were doing again, not really still understanding that stand-up, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really understanding that stand-up was a, like a career in a way. I was just right. watching people on TV tell jokes. Yeah. I was like, it's fucking amazing. And again, this is like in the background while I'm doing my own thing, being a kid or whatever wanting to pursue some sort of entertainment. Right. Uh, enrolled myself into Second City after I graduated high school, thinking, I'm funny. You know, I'm funny with my friends. Maybe this is how I can get into, like, acting and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I rolled into Second City. And you know what? It didn't click. I said, I, I totally thought, for somebody who's goofy and on the fly, like, just, you know, always making people laugh, I thought, improv is it. Yeah. Girl, it was, it did not, I love improv and I'll do it, but it didn't click, it didn't click the way I thought it was going to click. Yeah. Um, oh, I understand that because there, there's different, I totally get that there's different art forms. Um, I took a sketch writing class and I got it. It Sometimes it's the teacher, it's the students. Or the vibe, like the vibe. Is the vibe, whole. yes. The yeah, vibe in a class. You, and then you just I, won't. How did you feel with you, with your, was it just? Your teacher, did you feel like underrepresented? And so well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm currently at a UCB class at a pilot class in the very, and, and I can't stand the professor. I don't care if he hears this episode. He's probably not going to. He's so conceited. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> but in the very first class, he's basically saying, hey, guys, you can steal from each other. Now, and what? I'm like, and that was such a big term. Who is teaching? You? I know, right? Like he said something like jokingly about stolen. And I'm like, I got indigenous roots. And this is a white man talking about stealing. I don't feel comfortable here. And um, 
then there was this young white girl and she goes, you know, I have friends that are queer and I was a stripper for many years, by the way. So I've been in the sex worker world for a long, long time. That's how I supported two children. Um, and she goes, and I have friends that are sex workers. Therefore, I can write about sex work and queer people. And I'm a mother of a queer daughter. I'm a, you know, a former sex worker. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I'm not even writing about this shit. You know what I'm saying? And she's getting praised because she's the young, you know, white girl the whole time. Like, I have a story today about a girl that comes from Ohio to be an actress in New York. And I see the teacher praising her. And then I'm half Cuban, half Puerto Rican, trying to write about how Cubans are conservative. And he's he can't wrap his head around that because how are Cubans conservative? Aren't they immigrants? Shouldn't they be Democrats? Yeah, I'm already, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, so I should have left. People told me left the first, but that class, like, again, and I told you earlier about how I'm trying to write a pilot. Like, I'm so turned off by that teacher that I, I already know what you have to do is sometimes just take another class. But I get it where the sketch writing class, the teacher, the students, I was a little afraid they were millennials. I was, you know, I'm Generation X, but um, I didn't. Like, I was kind of, like, hesitant, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm going to get canceled for something that I say with these kids, you know? Yeah, it just, I, it, it, the, the, it, the vibe is fucking everything. Get my words together. Yes, the vibe. Especially, though, when you're Latino, because we're a whole different, we're not white, we're not black, we're, like, in the middle. Yeah. And it, it's, we've got to fit in with each other. And there's certain things that we all have to connect. So I get it where you're talking about, like, the improv just wasn't your thing. I've been there. I really wanted it to be, but I just, you know, yeah. it, 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 not only was I the only Latina, I think I was the only queer Latina in there, which again, is fine. It doesn't always have to come down to that. It just mm-hmm. so happened to be that that's what made it a little weird for me is that my perspective was, you know, like you said, this guy couldn't wrap his, his brain, you know, around And that's my life. You know, I'm half Puerto Rican, half Cuban. I grew up with one side conservative, one side democratic. Like, they didn't know. And he's probably like, "Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to work with this shit. shit." Next, Becky, give me one of your stories. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's kind of how I, 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 my class didn't feel like they weren't trying to honor the story. I just feel like they didn't get it and they didn't care to. So, like, yeah. Here I am coming up with, they're like, come up with a suggestion for, you know, whatever. And I, you know, I, I couldn't be like El Mercadito. We're at El Mercado or we're at, you know, like it, it was just, I couldn't connect. And then they could fucking fart. And everyone was like, ha! Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. I know. I know what you're saying. I'm like, if you don't get Brian to come like, up. Or they show. go, oh, remember The Office? That episode with The Office? <laughs> yeah. Or or they gave me. Uh, I, I, or Friends. Let's talk about Friends. Like, they gave me once a suggestion and I don't even, I, I can't think of it right now. Um, but it was a word I had never fucking heard of. That mm-hmm. cracked me up. Because they were like, quick a suggestion. And they were like, it, the, the employment they gave me, they were like, a, a career and a, and a place. And I don't know what the fuck to this, I can't think of it right now. And I was just like, I just remember being like, everyone's going up there and I'm trying to figure out what the fuck that career is based off what they're, their sketches are and I'm just like it's gonna get to my turn and I don't even know what the fuck that means <laughs> <laughs> I was like I don't like this shit 
I don't know. It just didn't feel, uh, it didn't, you know, and for a place that teaches, you know, improv is yes and. Yeah. You have to, like, hot clock your partners. It's, it's yes and. I didn't feel a lot of yes and in, in there. Yeah. It was, like, it was like a lot of, and I'm just like, you know. So I finished the course. Right. Finished the, the, the second city. And then I was like, now what? You know, like, what do I do now? I was like, I don't know where else to go. So I kept doing what I what I, what I knew how to do, which is just, you know, was doing things in the community. And then that's when, um, that's when I leveled up in life and I learned about social injustices around the world. And around that age, like my early 20s, I started mm -hmm. getting really into, you know, opening my eyes about what's going on in the world. And um, I read E. Benzer's The Vagina Monologues. I, um, um, that, have you seen The Vagina Monologues? No, no, I have you got to watch it if you haven't seen it or, or, um, so Eve has wrote this, you know, this is, I guess it feels like forever ago to me now. Um, but the movement's still going on, it's a V-Day movement and she travels the world and, um, social activists among many other things, she is a powerful woman. And, um, she basically conducted a bunch of interviews across the world. Um, and she would interview women and ask them different stories about what it is for them to be a woman. Some of them mm -hmm. contain very specific stories about their vaginas. Others are stories about sexual assaults. Others are happy stories about, you know, the first time, or funny stories about the first time they got their period. Um, other stories about, you know, having a boy, you know, all the different kinds of stories, violent, nonviolent, all the anything mm -hmm. you can, you know, that really, and her main focus at that point was she wanted to bring awareness to female genital mutilation. Mm. Uh, women in other third world, you know, third world countries that were, you know, going under female genital mutilation against their will and, and whatnot. And so her, her main goal was to raise awareness um, and to stop violence against women. And so it, it was born out of this, out of this movement, she created this play called the Vagina Monologues. And it consists of different monologues based off of these interviews with different mm. women. And so my friend was like, hey, Gwen, she knew that I wanted to be an acting and stuff like that. And she's like, hey, the UIC, the University of Illinois is doing, um, uh, they're putting on a vagina monologues play. They're having auditions. And I was like, bitch, I don't go to college. Can I still audition? Like, <laughs> go there? Um, and she's like, yeah, I think so. Non-students can audition. So I was like, hell yeah. Audition, I got the role. We performed in front of like 500 people and I was like, this is awesome. The best of both worlds. I'm getting to perform for a good cause. Like we're raising awareness. People in the audience, men who, who don't ever think about women being sexually assaulted or like we're educating people. This is fucking awesome. And so then the play was over and then I was like, and now what? I was like right back to square one again. Like, mm. I So I just re-auditioned. I did the vagina monologues at UIC for four years. Wow. After, after the fourth year, I was like, okay, something else has got like what now what? Yeah. And Teatro Luna, um, they're they're a big time all female cast um not-for-profit theater organization uh here in Chicago years ago. Mm -hmm. Um Goyapaz founded it along with Tania Sarancho, who's a big time Latina playwright as well. Um, she does things like, I think she did like an episode of Looking Glass or something like that. She's, she's doing things with HBO. She did Vida. Um, 
they co-founded Teatudora. And so they were holding auditions. So it was like, hey, there's this local theater and they're all women and they, they do not, it's not for profit theater and they, they do like conscious work. And I was like, hell yeah. Audition to do a play with them called Machos, which we kind of created off of interviews that we did that, that were done on men about their experiences being men. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was going to be like this funny play about like a guy stereotype about women being locas. Mm-hmm. I guess during the interviews, a lot of guys started bawling and releasing these like really deep stories. Wow. They would be like, oh shit, I'm sorry. I just, I've never been asked that question. I've never told anyone that story. And so Damia and Koya were like, hey, I think we have something here. It might be different than what we originally were aiming for. And so they ended up, we ended up all like co-developed, you know, not well, they developed, but, you know, we helped write, put together the, the play that ended up being called Machos. And we did it in drag and we were the guys. And every piece was a different interview story of these people's actual, you know, stories. Wow. It was really deep, man. We had guys come up to us after the shows crying, saying, yo, I never... That happened to me, and I've never talked about. It. So it was a lot of a lot of beautiful shit that we discovered that men don't get to talk about. You know, there's always a lot of yeah, because in men in society, like they don't go to therapy, they don't, um, they have to mask their feelings. Yeah, they have to be macho again. Hence the you know, hence the name that we ended up landing on was which was machos. Right. You know, be a man. Be a yeah. Man. And so that play was freaking amazing. Um, I did it. I did it a few months with them at this local theater, and then that was over. And it was almost like. I and then you got back to your feeling of wanting to perform. And I was like, and now it was like nothing was like launching me into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like all these one-offs. Meanwhile, I'm still because of the vagina monologues. I've really in, like dove into the world of social justice and like grassroots organizing and activism. And I was doing a lot. Like I joined you know, uh, you know, um, not-for-profit organizations in Chicago, and then they would be like, Gwen, can you host this event? We're doing a fundraiser for such and such organization. Then it started becoming more, I, you know, I was getting away from the break. I was getting older, girl, ain't nobody break dance yet. <laughs> busting my face on the dance floor. So <laughs> I, I wasn't doing the break thing and the b-girling so much, but I was still doing a lot of emceeing. And people were like, Gwen, can you emcee this event? Gwen, can you... So I was still on the mic. Now I was emceeing on for profit events and stuff like that. And then someone sends me a flyer for a stand-up comedy workshop by Mike Yo, who's this big-time Latino producer here in Chicago. If you ever mm-hmm. want to interview a, a Latino producer, you'd be a dope interview, too. He does a lot of good stuff for a lot of comedians, um, but mostly, you know, his focus is on the Latino, but he's all-inclusive. And so he had a stand-up workshop going on. And my girl was like, Gwen, you're hilarious. I still don't understand why you're not doing this. And I took the class. And that was 14 years ago. Wow. After that class, it was over, girl. After that class, we did a little graduation show. And then somebody came up to me and was like, that was funny. I run a, I run a little show at such and such bar. Can I book you for five minutes? And I was like, oh my God, yeah. And then after that, somebody came up to me the same way and then I just kept saying, wait a minute. So after you took this class, you started getting booked right away. Yeah. Book for paid. No, not open mics, right? Straight to bookings. 
Yeah, but that, I mean, they were tiny bookings, but I took them. They were like, well, no, that, that to me, that's tiny bookings. That's a big deal because a lot of people are just, uh, you know, I interview a lot of comics and some are just trying to just go to open mics, open mics, open mics, which, you know, no shame. No shame. Um, no, I did the open mic game. I did it a handful of times. For me, mm-hmm. I felt like it was it was working against me. So I stopped. I, I didn't go. And not working against me as far as like working on the craft because anybody who works on their jokes in any capacity, whether it's at home with yourself or fine-tuning it at showcases or doing it in open mics, that's not the waste of time. I just felt for me, um, the open mics I happen to have been attending at that moment were filled with a lot of comics. And so everybody's just sitting there with their arms crossed, waiting for their turn. You're not really getting good feedback. You, you know, I don't really recommend people take their friends to open mics because you're not going to get honest feedback if you're, Right, right. Yeah, you need to hear. You need to a crew in the audience. Right. They're gonna laugh at your shit because you're their friend. So to me, I was like, where can I get an honest audience? This these rooms are full of comics who aren't trying to lift each other up. At least if it was a room full of comics where we could be like, hey, you know what? I got this tag for you, or dude, I was paying attention. That shit is gold. I thought you were gonna go in this direction with it. Maybe like where you actually work, but it's a competition. Right how people view it it's and so no you're right you're absolutely right about that because some people they could just keep on going to open mics going to open mics and you're not getting that audience feedback at all and you need that audience you need to hear the laughter you need to hear the audience to grow to know when you're gonna hit you know because then you like let's say you go to open mic and it's filled with your comedian buddies and or your your family or whoever you invite and you're rocking that open mic with that set all the time and you think it's great shit, and then you get booked, and you do it at a showcase, and you eat ass on stage, you know, <laughs> because you had the wrong impression, because you thought you were getting honest feedback. at the open mic. So, I don't know, I just didn't feel like I was really, I couldn't get my questions answered. My question, uh-huh. is this funny? Does uh-huh. this work? And I would leave the open mic being like, I can't tell. I can't tell if it's dark, or if the comics were tired, because it's 2.30 in the morning, and there was 52 people on the lineup and everyone kept getting bumped. I can't, you know what I mean? So for me, yes, I did open my game, but really my, my work was on these showcases. So kudos mm-hmm. to the producers who are taking risks and, and going out and, and booking people. And, you know, that's what showcases are for too. You don't have to be completely polished, but yeah, you know, we all, but that's amazing that you got booked right from, you took your class, but you had all of those things. You were doing the emceeing before that. You already were acting before, so you had that stage presence. You knew how. It was just a matter of getting your own material within yourself and writing. Right, which was, which to me was half, was more than half the battle. Uh-huh. Because I always felt like I can make people laugh, but the transition to doing it by, like, it's different when you're having a conversation, you're bouncing off of someone. Mm-hmm. And, and it's easy then things just come out but yeah. if you're on stage and you're the only you're the only person talking I was like how do I translate the funny things I do when I'm in a conversation into a stand-up format when it's just me talking to an audience who's just watching me so that to me was like how do I do it so the stand-up workshop actually helped me get a little bit of a footing on that and then the graduation show which was an actual show in front of the public 
Mm-hmm. Um, I got it out there, I guess. I got enough laughs. It was only a five minute set, but it was enough for this one dude to brand this little show in in in, uh, in Oak Park, Illinois. It was like, hey, I run a little a little a little show called Cheap Shots. Shout <laughs> out to Pablo Rodriguez for putting me on. I'll never forget. Pablo that. put you on. Yeah, and then I and then I did his show, and then the same thing. You know, people are like, oh, that was funny. I do this. There were all little bar shows, and then. Bigger producers were like, hey, I run this show at such and the event started getting bigger and better and and I just kept going. I, my thing is say yes, shit later. You know, like I'll yeah, say, say yes, yes, shit later. Yes, yeah, hell yeah, I'm open. I'm available. And then I hang up and I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna be out. What do I do? I say yes. I gotta do the show. Now, how is that work balance with doing comedy? Because I feel like that's the hardest part of the game when you're a creative. Uh the work balance with the creative and the and the work being a work when I say working like as a creative we tend to have we have to make money to pay our rent we have to make money to pay our bills and a lot of uh comedians I've noticed they don't share like you know the struggle part of having a regular day job or doing other stuff and, and the stress of okay now you know going around and um I think Ida shared that she was working a day job for many years, but she would do stuff on the weekends, for instance. It is a stress. Look at it. If, if, if people don't think that it's share, man, go to my, go to my profile at Gwen LaRocca. Okay. <laughs> Scroll through the last few posts. I'm not a, you know, it's funny that I always say this and people laugh. So I, I, I say it now on stage when I want to talk about serious shit, because it's true. I'll, I'll prefix something serious with, I'm not a, I'm a very private person, says the fucking comedian in front of a thousand people. I am though. I'm a very private person, and it's um, when it comes to my personal shit. Mm-hmm. But damn, Marcella, about a week or two ago, I was feeling it, and I went on. I don't know why. I felt the need to make it public because I can't. I guess I never do. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling all this guilt and all this hustle pressure. I call it. You know, you, you scroll a few minutes and you see everybody on top of their shit. You see people posting every two seconds. You see, you know, people like podcasts here and there every other week. It's an ending new one. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, damn, I haven't even thrown my garbage out in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm like, I got shit to do. Um, and then it starts make, it starts messing with my mind. You know, I start thinking, I'm not on my shit. I need to get on it. I need to be more present on social media. I need to. And then I thought. Girl, you're still grieving your dad. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, give yourself permission right. to, to live life that is living you. It feels like life is, is living itself for you because you wake up and you blink your eyes and it's 11 p.m. and you got to get shit ready for the next day. And I don't have right. kids. I don't have kids. And I when I tell this to people like you who have children or, you know, like, well, my kids are adults now, so things are things are good right now. But okay. I things are things are kind of good because they're adults, so I don't have that worry. But for a long and now I could take care of myself, but for a long time I could never take care of myself. And that's what I hear, you know, like like when I when I vent to people about how hard it gets, um, a lot of them are like, you know, when I say, "Man, sometimes I don't even have enough time," you know, like I said, I got. There's my day job, there's my career, and then there's life shit, like doing a compra. I need tortillas, you know what I'm saying? Like, we yeah. have tortillas at home. 
Um, <laughs> and so like, I got to go do a cobra. And, um, and I, and it gets to, and then now that my dad has passed, my mom lives with me and my partner, uh-huh. so, you know? So when I vent to people, they're like, now, you know, that's what it's like with me and my children. They're like, I have kids. Now, you know, that's what it feels like for me when I feel like I woke up and now it's 11 PM and I'm barely going to do like two things for myself. Yeah. You know, like time goes like this. So the yeah, it's, it's very real um, to the point where a few weeks ago I went online and I was just like, Bleh! like <laughs> I just blurred it online about how hard it is to, it, it's one thing, it's hard to keep afloat with all of it, but I think that's going to be for everybody. The harder thing I think is for us to stop and remind ourselves that it's okay. We're not freaking robots. Like, I put this big, it was like a guilt post. It's almost almost like I wanted to apologize to people for not being online as much. And then towards the end of my own post, I was like, wait a minute. I'm still grieving. I'm taking care of my mom. There's a lot of life shit. I got a dog who has ear infections. I got fucking my car that needs to be taken to an oil change. You know, I have my day job that I log off at at 6 p.m. sometimes and then I then it's time to get dinner rocking. And then by the time you're done with dinner, it's, you know, do the dishes, take the dog out to the bike. And then it's like, where do you find time to answer emails, do the podcast, write some yeah. jokes, book your shit, yeah. comedy clubs? It's a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's the love of it's the love of comedy that keeps you. I, I have a day a day job. I could quit comedy and keep paying my bills. And do what I do and not have all that extra pressure. But I was not born to be working in the moving industry. You know what I'm saying? That's my day job. Like that ain't my that's not my passion. I was right. in my opinion to bring joy and happiness to people and to remind people that we're all family. Doesn't matter where you're from, Cuban, Puerto Rican, Polish, Black, Dominican, Mexican, Guatemalan, Indian, mm-hmm. Ethiopian. Wherever, man, we are all family. And I feel like comedy was the talent, you know, the humor is the talent that God gave me so that I could use my tool, so that I could use to bring people together. Not logging into this day job at six in the morning and fucking answering these guys' emails. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's, I, when I die, I don't want to think like, be like, oh, but I answered Bob's emails so good. You know <laughs> That's not that's not what I the mark I'm trying to leave on this on this on this world, you know. Right. So no. I'll take the hustle, but damn, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. As no, it it is hard. It's hard don't when you are that. a creator. People don't feel that. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. And what you were saying about the social media? This I think it was yesterday, last night. Um. Yesterday, I was I had to film some like commercial affiliates. I had to deal with a makeup artist that was drunk. I had to deal with like so much and I'm like every day I'm doing something yeah. and I'm having to push, push, push. And I'm like, nobody really talks about like so much pressure with social media now because it's everything. It, it, yeah. The only talk I hear is the talk that scares me into not posting, which is you're going to get left behind. You better post. You're going to get left behind. Everybody else is posting, posting, posting. Yeah. Or, 
you know, or you see it, it, it. I am seeing like, remember, I told you earlier, I see a formula for success with comedians. And one of the big things that I see that the people that are like getting booked or whatever is whether they're good or bad comedians, because I've seen a lot of bad comedians out there. They're in New York. Um, they're go- like they have somebody going show to show and they're filming them and they're showcasing. Usually it's crowd work because they don't want their material stolen, right. um, which is kind of smart. But it's like, yeah, it's posting. It's it's, you know, and being on top of that IG and then along with the TikToks. It's such a hard. Ah. And now I'm seeing comedians do this because there's one comedian. I had a comedian early on in my show called Shay Doran. And he 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 was he kind of like was the one of the original people that did this. But I see a lot of people copying. They're getting a video and it might be like a sexy woman or it might be something that's already got a lot of views. And they're doing a comment right afterwards. And he did it like he started doing it way in the pandemic before anybody else did. He kind of was the pioneer. But like now I'm like. And he's and basically he'll show like another clip and then he's getting them to come to the show and then he's doing clip after clip after clip what and I'm it? seeing I didn't, I didn't catch what you said that once. Uh Shay Duran, he was in ah. one of my first episodes of my podcast. But he he's like to me a pioneer the way he did it on TikTok, like he did it way before. Um it, and now I see everybody copying him. Like, I'm like, wow, is every, and, and they're not, so they're not really, sh- he did it in a way before where it was funny and it was cute. Like, oh, look at that, you know, like come to my show or, you know, go to my Twitch online and stuff like that. So it, it's the game now with the social media is like, unfortunately it's taking over. Like for me, it's like, I have to keep on every week. Pod- I have to chase down comics all over the United States. You know what I'm saying? Or, <laughs> or for both of my podcasts, like I, I was like, I, I hit up somebody not for this podcast, but for the other one. And I said, hey, you want to get on my podcast? And they're like, I only do I can do it by Zoom because they're on the West Coast. Right. I'm in New York. You're in the West Coast. OK. And they go, I only do in person. I said, well, if ever you're in New York, then we could do it in person. Like, but if I'm in New York, you know, what is it to do a freaking Zoom? Oh, fancy. So I know. Look at me. I don't even. And now that I'm looking at this, this is terrible. I look like a fuck. I look like, it looks like you're interviewing a ghost. Marcella, what the fuck? You didn't tell me I was all pasty. I think you have a wall <laughs> paste. spider. Look at this. No makeup. And I had the worst. Oh, life. you look fine. You look young. You look about I like 20. I thought you were 27, 28 years old. I thought you were way younger. You got a whole professional setup and everything. Oh. Well, but if you saw the, if you really saw how my setup was, this is a desk. L- look, my desk moves. It's on wheels. But that's all. You have wheels. My no, shoes. but if you see it, it's like a team. This desk. Huh? I said, yours is on wheels. I said, I can't move my laptop. It's on a No, shoe no, no, no. It's It literally is like a TV stand that I have that's on wheels that I could just move it around any which way. I do have a shadow box and I have a ring light right, right in front of me. And then I do like that's. For the lighting, you know, that's why it comes good. But it's not, if you saw the desk that I have, it's pretty pathetic. Because mm-hmm. I just want to have it. So if people come, it's I'm in my living room, basically, which I made like a podcast studio. So then, uh, yeah. You and then look, you can. You look flush. You look pink. I look. It's the shadow box and a filter. Okay. And then there's, there's my little sign right there. <laughs> my little sign. You can't see it, but there's my company, Latina Productions. Look at 
So I just, because I do, I've done so many podcasts, I've had to like up my game and because I need the, the, the footage, you know, and then I, there's not enough people in New York that I actually like. I'm in the biggest city in the United States and I don't like none of these bastards over here. Well, now they all know. Well, good. Yeah. Well, no, I told you, like, New York is, like, when I told you earlier, I'm not, you know, there's some good, like, Tracy Cardoza uh, is a good friend of mine. She's one of the nicest comics I know um, in New York that I could say good things about. She's an Italian girl that lives here. She's a very funny comic. I will always see her. Um She's a nice people, but a majority that I've run across, I'm not very crazy with in New York. And I've seen. People just being nice. Well, isn't it nice? It's more of like, um, like I said, like what you, like I've been to shows and I haven't been too impressed, you know? Yeah, I haven't. I I know my favorite, like, you know, I know who I, if there's comics that I've been to that I like, like Sarah Contreras, she's great, you know, um, how did you meet Ida? Um, I actually went to her. Sh- I had a like. I felt like I had to stalk her. Um, I reached out to her publicist. Her publicist like did not. Oh no, we're not interested right away. And then um, I and I was like, because I was like, look, I, it's a Latina p- podcast, whatever. And then I went to her show at Yonkers. I paid. I uh, what got me mad is I paid for the VIP to be front row, and they gave me somebody's tickets, and I had a bitch to Yonkers Comedy Club out afterwards. Like, I got front row tickets for her and they gave me like the back at, at Yonkers. So, um, and then I just went up to her and I said, Hey, I have a show. And then she connected right away. I love See, she wrote, she's good people, man. She's love- good people. Yeah. She's, she's good people. But, uh, she probably was the, well, she wasn't hard to book because I went to her show. Um, but a lot of people, I, I got, uh, verified on IG before it was, people paid for it so mm-hmm. because people see the blue check mark they answer back i feel like they answer back quickly it's not only thing is good but people answer back quickly and if you want to complain and get a refund with a blue check that's where it's good for that's what i tell people <laughs> like that's the only thing it's good for but um i noticed when i started this comedy show with podcasts i would reach out to comics and i only had latino comics coming on that would answer me back right away and yeah. other races you know what I'm saying? Wouldn't answer back. And I said, well, I'm going to ride with this. I'm going to ride with my people and represent more. And so as I, the more and more people that I, you know, there's some people that I knew of that I had on, but that's how I. Well, then you were like, I don't want to interview you anyway. Right. Well, I reach out twice. And by the second time with somebody, I I'm like, forget it then. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to chase you play games, you know, they got we kept in touch because I was like, yeah. Bro- well, you were e- like I said, you were easy, you were polite, you sent me back an email, and it was like boom, boom. That like no, there was no game, you know. But I've had a lot of comics where they've ghost me, and or I've asked them once, and I'm not gonna like I'm. If they want to come on, they want to. Co- I'm gonna. I'm gonna they follow. Huh? They know where you are. They yeah. Well, no, like I said, I kind of admire Joe Rogan, not for like his beliefs, but the style of like, I, I, I appreciate the style of the way he does things. Yeah. And I like, I personally like reaching out to who I want to have on. Well, thank you again. for personally- yeah. And I, and with you, I saw you and it was a great performance. And then I remember the, the one, whenever I remember a comic's 
like act. And um, I like the one where you were going back and forth to the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that one. And, uh, you know, and it, I, I thought it was so funny. And um, yeah, and I, it was really, really good. So you I rem- when I remember, I remember somebody's act, I know they're good. Thank you. So much. If I can't remember their act, they're no good. <laughs> You're like, then that should tell you something. Yeah. Okay. I passed the Marcella test. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, like, for, like, when we were talking about content creation a, a, a bit ago, you you know, you got you got people to interview, right? And comedians yeah. have things to talk about. But it's this such a fine line of, like, how do I constantly create content without putting my material out there? But also, because it's a numbers game, see, this is where I get stuck. Mm-hmm. And this is where I end up not posting shit at all. Like, What I'll sign talk- are you, by the way? Hold on. What sign are you? Uh, if you had to guess, take a guess. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Because since you're asking, I was like, oh, she's in the horoscopes. Leo. Oh, Leo. Okay. What, what do you got? What's your, oh, what was that little sign? Like? She said, because Leo. I know Leo's. You want somebody else to post it for you. No, no, no. Opposite. I I like control over my things. You want control over your thing? I want control over because usually Leos. I get along with Leos. I like Leos, and I have a good friend that's a Leo. But it was like, and I got her. She was a Leo. I got her started in a business because she can organize and clean. This girl can organize and clean. She was meant to be a housewife. And she she could have a badass business. So I kind of like, and I'm real good at business. I'm good at like social media. I set her up, but then she had it. And now her daughter, and her daughter, who her daughter's like 21 years old, by the way. So it's not like her daughter's a kid. Her daughter's booking the clients for her. Now she has the talent, but I noticed that in her daughter, when I was, her daughter stood at my house not too long ago, because her daughter was working on something for school or whatever. And she says, you know, my mom has that part where she's good at organizing. She's good at cleaning, but she kind of lacks where she's communicating back and forth with people. That's her weakness. And when I book for her, she gets it through. So what you might have to do, like as a Leo, is you might have to, you know, maybe use your flyers to put more content out there or find somebody to post for you. And I think the big thing I've noticed with everybody having podcasts, yes, everybody has a podcast, but it's a way to get content out without you performing. That's true. Because that, that, that's where I was headed with my, with my dilemma that I get to the point yeah. where because it's a numbers game, I know it's important to post, yeah. but I'm also somewhat of a perfectionist. Like I don't like putting out things that are half-assed. Yeah. So if I start to post something just to post because I haven't posted and it's been days, for example, right? So for for anything with social media, I took Gary V's advice. Um, and this is where like Gary V, uh, you could look him up, Gary and V E E or whatever. My one of my girlfriends loves him. She thinks he's great. Um, he does this and he suggests this. And there's a viral video. You go ahead. You do a podcast. You do one podcast a week. You could do a podcast by Zoom. You don't need to do it in person, right? And then you chop it down into clips. And so you can do any type of podcast like you want. And you could just, you could do it where it's just you and you're talking and you come up with a theme. That way it's not get, you could have a co-host or you could, you know, bring on different guests. 
you know, you could do it any which style, but I feel like a podcast is a way to bring out content to show visibility who you are. And I've noticed this because I've interviewed so many comedians and I feel like now I know the comedy thing. I've noticed every yes, every comedian has a podcast, but that's kind of how they get their following. And then they, 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 you, and then it's a way to collab with another comedian. Cause I'm, I'm sitting there watching, I'm learning from watching other comedians, even like yesterday I did my affiliate commercials. Okay. And Whitney Cummins, I'm like, I love the way Whitney Cummins does her affiliates because she has me at the point where I'm like, oh my God, let me order this. Let me order this vitamin because she's so believable. And I told my producer, I said, um, like Olipop is my, I love Olipop, okay? Use code Marcella15 and get 15% off with Olipop. Um, so I, I, some of my affiliates I choose that I can talk and I believe in. But um, I've noticed that with all of these podcasts, they're all collaborating with different people. It's helping their social media. It's helping them sell tickets for different things. But they're not performing. They're just talking. Like you and I are just talking. We're not doing any jokes. You know, I thought about that years ago. I wanted to do a podcast with two other friends of mine who are also stand-up comedians and Latinas. Mm-hmm. And we joked around about doing it. And then and then everybody and their mom started coming out with a podcast. And I was like, I don't want to fuck. I'm that type of person. If I see everybody's doing this, I'm going to be like, no, I don't want to. I'm yeah. gonna cook. Like, I was never like... I well, if you could commit like one hour, what is one hour a week to do it? Um, I'm a little bit neurotic because I have two podcasts. And um, like I said, this such is an overachiever. <laughs> well, I, I don't even feel like I'm an overachiever because it's it's uh, I don't feel like because the numbers are not where I want. My other one is a, about sex, adult work, like sex work and stuff like that. And I have every type of sex worker on there because for many years I was a stripper. That's how I took care of my family. And um, so that one is kind of easier and more people are willing to go tune in to that where stand-up comedy is kind of like it's only for certain people you know and my thing was I was a stripper for many years I talked about this all the time and the reason I love stand-up comedy or going to a comedy show is I don't like music and after a while like when you don't want to eat roast beef and you can't listen to Nine Inch Nails anymore you're going to go to a comedy show right right you know what I'm saying? So that's why I love comedy, because that was my way of having a day off. Let's go to a comedy show. Oh, what? I don't want to. I don't like concerts. I don't like music. So I always have had a love for comedy. And plus, it just to be happy and to cure, it makes people happy altogether. But like what I'm saying, to get that content out there, you can do like your own Gwen LaRocca experience and you don't need to have comics on. You know, you could showcase who you are as a person, the activism, the you know what I'm saying? Like different things. Yeah, that's actually what I've been poking around. Something along yeah. the lines of just being myself. Because the feedback that I get from a lot of my fans, um, when they ask, like, how come you don't, you know, you should post more. And I was like, well, I don't want to just post crap just to post it. Um, yeah. I want to make sure it's, 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 it's you know, I'm, I've got some sort of intention behind it. Or at least it's funny. You yeah. know, I don't post just to post and yeah, then, and nine out of ten responses I've got from these are fans, not friends, and friends who have also told me, mm-hmm. but Gwen, you're you're who we you are who we find funny. So when you're just being yourself, what you may not think is funny, we find entertaining. Yeah, 
They're like, just, and all of them keep saying, just be yourself, just record. Yeah. You you know who's a good example that I really enjoy her posts and it like sits home for me is Sarah Contreras. I know her husband, she has her husband help her with um her content, but like she did a post and it was just a beautiful picture. And no, not what was she at? She was in Puerto Rico. She's overlooking the sun and it's a video. And, and I was like, I love looking at her social media so much. I'm a fan of hers. You know, I've, I've gone to multiple shows. I enjoy her. So as a personal fan, we do want to see more of you. We want the fans want that. And it's that connection. But then after a while, that's what helps sell um, the tickets because when I have right now, I, I'm on a budget this year because shit was hard last year. I had a hard year last year, but I can't go to comedy shows like I want to. But I will go and look for certain comics as they come in as, and who I'm fans with. And then I will want to go and see them. You understand? So your fans will follow you. We will enjoy. I love Sarah Contreras. And, and she does a good example, but she has her husband helping her. Right, right. You know, um, and, 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 and I think that's that's been the theme that's been on my mind for this pretty much all of last year and the beginning of this year. I've already this kind of conversation you and I are having about just doing it, basically just posting. Yeah. Other people are doing it and their shit's going viral and there's nothing to it. Again, I didn't want to do it just because. Right. But I'm also, you know, needing to stay in the algorithm, you know? It's, it's a yeah. And then another good example that sometimes I love watching him. I don't care. It's weird. Chris Stefano, who's a New York comic, he had, I'm more invested than in his comedy. He has a girlfriend. Her name is Jazzy and she is Puerto Rican. And I'm more invested in watching them together. And I'm dying to see her with a chancleta just hit him over the head one day. And mm-hmm. so, here he's had done episodes with her and there's something about like and I'm like oh I want to watch that oh I want to you know what I'm saying like so now here I am I it's not drama that I'm seeing them like together they're not they're like a happy couple okay they have kids they have but he does show and then he I think he had another episode with uh T.T. Jerry, they called him, and it was a, a the trans uncle or trans, I don't know, uh, the trans aunt or whatever. Um, and the yeah. episodes were so funny, but he's show, showing his family a little bit and his partner, and I enjoy it. Like, that's content, like, I enjoy. And then that's what I see. I need to remember. I, sometimes, you know, for a damn comedian, I take this shit too fucking seriously sometimes. Yeah. Look, well, I'm more of the producer mind. Like I overthink it to the point of, yeah. like, no, you just have to do, you know what, do like your own, in my opinion, what I realized I wish I would have done is I would have done a show and just kept it, the Marcel Alonso show, and then had anybody in it. I just separated. So my big thing was, um, it's very hard for female, a lot of females who are not sex workers can be judgmental. And they don't understand like, yo, I didn't do this because I just want to be with your man or whatever. No, I did this. I had two children. I had to support. Right. Right. And a lot of people don't understand. So the reason I kept my podcast separate is because there's a lot of female comics that I want to have on. So that's why I did two different ones. But you coming in, you know, you could do your own one and bring various people. And then the fact that you have a podcast, I think Theo Vaughn does a podcast and he's brought in like a police officer, a coroner, you know what I'm saying? And people are watching him because he, he just 
like watching him. He's dumb and stupid. I love another um, podcast that I absolutely love that really like I feel like I relate to is uh, Tiger Belly with Bobby Lee. And um, Bobby it's weird. Bobby Lee, I feel like um, I'm the Spanish woman version of him. (laughs) What the hell? Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like out of all people, Bobby Lee like is the one that I relate to the most. It sounds weird, but um I love him. And I like I like that podcast the best. He has with an ex-girlfriend because of the chemistry they, you know, and I'm invested in that podcast, but it's you know, I see how he brings on different guests, you know, and I was a fan of him back when he was on Mad TV and all that, but you know, it it with well, the fans Huh? What kept you watching was that he stayed in, in 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 the light and in that form. He was like accessible, basically. Right. He's accessible. Like, oh, there it's a new episode. Like, I'm always listening to him. Um, he's the one that I probably go to weekly because it's it's relatable to me. And he's being himself. He's not performing. He's in a relaxed environment. So I do feel like the podcast with stand-up comedians is kind of the way to go because, A, you're getting content. B, like, you can announce, like, look, I'm going on tour. You know, my date's then, like, that on the podcast. And then, C, you can make money through affiliates and eventually if you get monetized or you know what I'm saying. So then it could be another income. And honestly, like, if you don't, you you can buy the equipment and do it at home. Like I have the equipment to do it at home or you could do what I do. I do Zoom because I just like to bang it out. And I feel like Zoom, you could reach everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know, man. Marcella, you're giving me all the hypeness because I'm telling you. when I like motivating people and I'm a Gemini. So Gemini's, we motivate Leo's a lot. Um, like I said, my friend came with me to my house two weeks. She was like depressed. She was get over this guy. And in two weeks, she had a whole business, a Yelp page, a thumbtack and everything. I'm on my way to your house right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, because it's been, that's exactly what I've been. Um, that's been the conversation that's been happening in my mind for about the last probably year or so uh, of just stop you know it's funky too is there's an element of imposter syndrome that plays into this overthinking it's not just yeah. me being like it's not just me being like this isn't funny you know we're always our own uh har- harshest critic you know we're always right. our own critic so there's that element of like oh this isn't that funny and then other people are like that like i i recorded things there's so many factors there's the biggest factors that i like to live like in my life, you know, mm-hmm. when it's happening, I'm in real time. I have not gotten in the habit of being like, oh, I'm about to do something funny. Let me whip my phone out. When I do the shit, it already happened. It already happened. I already Yeah, started. and that's another thing, because like I was doing the tick, I had to do the TikToks. Um, another source of my income is Facebook in-stream ads. A lot of people don't know about the face stream in-stream ads. You basically, they're TikTok videos and you you download them or whatever. And I had to constantly find these TikToks and these reels and these videos and and things to get viral. And you just don't feel it sometimes. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just, I, again, and then it feels rehearsed. So like, if I said something funny and everyone cracked up and then my friend will be like, that's the kind of shit you should be posting. <laughs> do it. Do it again. Give me your phone. Let's do it. You'll put, and then I do it, and then I'm like, it feels fucking active now. It kills yeah. out. We watch it, and I'm like, it looks rehearsed. You, you can't look at it. You can't. So the, the key is, I'm going to tell you, 
Don't watch your own shit. You can't. You, I'm. I swear. I. Some of my clips, I. I do cringe, and then um, I'll just erase comment. Like a guy goes, "Why does she? She looks better in her pictures than the videos." Like, as I'm posing, motherfucker. You know, but um, you can't. Yeah, like you can't. And some of these the trolls, you can't even look at the comments. You just have to post. Sensitive for this shit. Why am I a comedian? Fucking crying every time. Oh, they like, <laughs> but you can't. You just the the thing with social media. Like right now, I'm on a schedule posting five times a week. Right. Very tired. You just and and I, yeah, yeah. I'm t- like yesterday. I think today my post that I put. I had a picture with my cat. My kept cat kept on getting in the way. Guess what? The cat is in the photo now. Okay. <laughs> The cat's in the photo and you know, it's like, and Wednesday I try putting out a clip for my podcast. So I gotta, I gotta go hunt down a comedian and you know, it's, it's, it's just what I have to freaking do to pay my bill. You know, like I'm fortunate enough that, um, my job now is social media. Like I feel very fortunate because like, I don't have to, I do have my SAG card. I will get called on the set to work like background jobs or like do different things or, um, I've done auditions and stuff, but luckily with the social media now I can pay my bills, which is a blessing, but it's, it's, it's a full-time job. Now with your case, you're doing comedy and a full-time job. Trying to do that's, social media. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard. And then I see, like I said, I listened to Chris Stefano and I've seen a couple of episodes and he, the way he sounds, he feels like he's not good enough. And I'm like, this guy's doing good. This is what I mean by what, yeah. what I'm saying that a little one of the other variables and one of the many factors that plays into me not posting as much is that little imposter syndrome voice that comes in and and aside from you already being your worst critic and going I don't think that this is that funny then that imposter syndrome comes out and you're like look at all these clips that are being posted actually it's fun uh, maybe not you know what do it better next time you know. Maybe do a sketch, and when you get the equipment, then you then I start saying how it doesn't sound right. The, the microphone sounds shitty. Forget it. And then I delete, delete, and I get out. And I, so yeah, you have to just keep on. Six months later, I'll show my friend the video, and I'll be like, oh, look, this is like something that I, they're like, what? It's, this shit is hilarious. You should have posted this. I'm like, I didn't think it was that. I didn't think it was that funny. She's like, Gwen, you probably have like loads of videos. I think a lesson to myself that I need to remind myself and for anybody who's tuning in, we all deal with the imposter syndrome. We need some duct tape. We need to put tape on that little, that little voice, the imposter syndrome voice to have to shut the hell up and just do it. Yeah. I'm saying this to myself. Yeah. You have to just do it. Yeah. Because it, it, the good thing about, you got to look at the good aspect of social media is a necessary evil. But that is what's going to grow your brand and increase your fans and sell the tickets. Yeah. And I need to have that faith and that belief in what my fans are telling me. Right. Now, you had your show. You had your, um, because I remember you were doing your one-person show for a while, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Mi casa es tu casa. It ran. I did 17 shows this last year. Did you have anybody take that? You could, because I'll give you another idea. You could split it up. And you could show different segments, and that could be for your social media. So here's where I screwed up. Um, the first year I did it, because this is the second year I did it. The first year I did it, I taped it. Um, 
this year, uh, this, you know, end of last year, I did it again and it's evolved. I added, I tweaked, you know, like many things you write, you redo it, you redo it. It is, I don't, the first time I ran it, it was great. But this last year, it was fucking awesome. I loved it. And I did not get a chance to get this last run. Mm. But I'm hoping people hang on. I'm hoping. But you know what? Use your old footage. I know, but it's it's so much. No, more- you got to use your old footage. You got to. It's so much more polished now and tighter and better. And no, I know. But you never know what your old footage might bring in people. And you can always put, hey, this is from this year like that in the clip. True. True. Yeah. I do. I'm in, um, I'm in talks right now. I don't know, uh, you know, officially yet, but I'm hoping to uh, bring it into a big theater in Illinois and Chicago um, in a few months. So I hope I have another run of Mi Casa es tu Casa. Um, it would be dope because if you come out to Chicago and check it out, are you having I'd love to. to visit Chicago anytime soon? I, I don't know about, the, like, I don't know. I can't um, right now for like a couple of months because I had a hard year last year. Hard year. Too much work? No, um, my grandfather passed away, my well-o, and, um, and then I had to go back and forth. And then my daughter used about 250,000, um, flight points, uh, flight credits to fly first class from, uh, she lives in Las Vegas, my younger daughter, not my older daughter. Um, uh, and she flew with the boyfriend to Florida for Christmas. And I did that for my mom, but I didn't know she flew first class. So oh. she took all of my points. She left that little piece of information out. <laughs> <laughs> you found out when you ended up in coaching. Like, no, like- she told me, she goes, oh, we flew first class, so I didn't have to pay for the luggage. And I'm like, she's sending me a photo, and I'm like, what? Those are my, those are my points? <laughs> Use all my points, and my mom's like, "Oh, and I did it." You know how, like, you do stuff for your mom, like. (laughs) (laughs) So, so they literally swipe me out of my points, and then um, I've invested. Honestly, like, like I want to, I would love to go again to Chicago. Like, I had the experience at that, but I'm my money is like real tight this year. Like, and then I got taxis. So in the future, I plan to go, but. I think you need to get for this. If you do this next run, you oh, need to. Take... I get, yeah, I need to step up my my yeah my IT game with this social. You know what I mean? Because everything's got to get clipped, snipped, put on, posted. You know? Yeah, yeah, I and got that's you got I mean... too much talent because I've just noticed the whole thing now with um the with comedy with comics because I've interviewed so many. It's like this. It's like. Not only do you have to have the talent, you have to have the social media. Then you have to have the touring. You have to tour a little bit, not too crazy much. I noticed this. It has to be like an even balance of touring, you know, and wherever you're at your home base, you have to be, of course, successful. And so it's like a caliber of five different things I've noticed to make up that successful comedian. And uh, especially when you're starting off and you don't have a team, like, look at um, 14 years in the game, I've been a pro. I could have, you know, I'm sure a manager if I approach. I don't have a manager. I still book my own shit. I still, mm-hmm. you know, manage my pages. I still answer my. E- you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, yeah. I'm, handling, I'm handling a lot of this. Sh- so it's it's a lot of different hats you wear. Oh so, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. Like I said earlier, it's it's a choice. I don't have yeah. to. I can quit this and do my day job and not complain. But I'm not changing lives there. You know, like I'm changing my the owners of the company's lives because they're the ones get <laughs> paychecks off of mine. But you know, that's not that's not how I'm gonna make any change on this in this right. world. Like, I'd rather I'd rather wear the six hats and be tired as fuck, but feel like when I lay my head down on my pillow every night. I did something that makes me happy. Yeah. And joy. A podcast. You you won't be surprised, but a podcast might be the way to get the content out. I've been doing, dying to do it. I just, yeah. It is simple. It's kind of simple. Like I said, Zoom is great. I think Zoom. I like Zoom just because I have access. Unless you have a lot of people in your area that you can film right away. And then you get on a site like Spotify, Megaphone. I'm on Spotify, Megaphone. You pay for that. And then you just. You know, and then that's your way to do content, and then you find an editor. I'm gonna do my first podcast. You're gonna be my first guest. <laughs> We're gonna talk about all the same shit. We're, We're gonna, gonna talk about all the same shit. <laughs> I'll be like, don't watch her my interview on her show. Hey, just watch this. <laughs> no, but I am gonna pick your brain if I because it has been something I've been wanting to do. I'm like, a podcast would be fun. And, and you, but like, you could showcase all aspects of your life, right? And that's what people have been asking me. For. That's what my yeah. Friend, my fans have literally been telling me, but Gwen, you're who we like. That's why we're your fan. We And you know what? So like I told you earlier, you remind me of my oldest daughter a lot. My oldest daughter, when I was kind of glad, so I knew my daughter was gay when um she named the uh, guinea pig she had as a kid, Ellen and Portia. Oh, <laughs> ah! but made- I was kind of happy. I was kind of happy. I was like, hey. You know, I'm not going to be a Wella Young. Like, I broke the curse, the Latina <laughs> curse. And, um, but she, I felt like that was a good role model for her. I know some people are funny about Ellen or whatever, but, you know, that was her role model. And right now, you could be a role model for a lot of, you know, queer women out there. They need Listen, a role model. I mean, I don't want to fuck anybody up on but... <laughs> No, but I did have, like, I was talking before we got this, uh, we were chatting earlier. Um, I have a few fans who have been following me from show to show, and it's been a few years now. And I remember um, a specific couple who have gone to see me at a few shows. I met them at an airport of all places. Um, wow. And I make friends with everybody. I am that person who will talk to everybody and anybody because we all deserve to be acknowledged and, and seen and so I'm just talking to everybody and I, and I was talking to I was I don't even remember how the conversation started but I ended up giving them my card told them I was a comedian and um they hit me up like a year later and, and uh, on my my fan page and were like congratulations on your successes um you know we've been following you we met you at O'Hare Airport a long time ago um they made me cry because they brought up my dad they were like you were, you were picking you were taking your mom and your dad back to the airport, they were going back to Mexico, and we met you in the elevator, and they thanked me because they said they'll never forget that I was super nice to their dog. Their dog? Their daughter. Oh, their daughter. The elevator, and they're like, we'll never forget how nice you were to our dog. Like, I was chit-chatting with the little girl, and I'm like, I know what's up, and giving her high fives, and, and, um, you know, they still follow me to this day, and they've now come to see Mi casa es tu casa, and their daughter, who's this is years ago, their daughter's yeah. older now, and they brought her to my show, and they're like, remember, remember, you know, we told you, you let our daughter, this is her, and she was like, more grown, and they're like, 
And other couple, this other guy who keeps bringing his daughter to my shows, his daughter is a young queer woman, or, you know, I shouldn't say that. I retract. Um, I think she may be gender, they may be gender neutral. I'm not sure. Right, right. I didn't get into that deep of a conversation, but I could tell that his daughter's fan, you know, they're, they're yeah. part of the community. And um, he, you know, he 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 lights up when he's like, I brought my, brought my daughter again. Let's take, take a picture. Can I get a picture with you guys? And they've been coming to my shows more and more. And I think it's a beautiful thing that parents are bringing their children to my show because they're feeling like, they're like, look, look, say hi to her. Like, go talk to Gwen. Gwen will talk. It's almost like they're dying for their kids to talk to someone that they can maybe see themselves in, you know? Because we need representation. Right. I mean, it's 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 important. That's and that's where what you could do a podcast and not only your fan base, but you could talk about issues that you're going through because you don't know who's listening that it could ha- help to right. as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think, you know, being being raw and being real and being open to the people. You, I, it's not just for me. It's not just about performing. Like, I can go tell jokes and then leave. But then what's the point? I want to connect with the people I made laugh. I wasn't just trying to make you laugh to collect a paycheck. Right. I was trying to make you laugh because I want to know that you feel good leaving the show. You know, and that's why I stick around after, unless I have to have to leave because I have another show or I have another engagement or something. I stick around after all my shows. I chit chat with audience members, and I feel like that's half of the reason why they end up coming back to see me again and bringing their kids the next time. Yeah, because you know you make a connection and they remember you talking to them. They remember you being cool as fuck and just taking a moment to chat with the audience after the show. You know, mm. I mean, get no, and I like that when I do go to a comedy show and you do see the comedian afterwards. Um, I'm looking at Kevin Hart's book. He probably had a ghostwriter. It's a very good book, but he wrote in the book how he did Facebook groups when he toured. And then he had, he probably had a ghostwriter, but still the, the, it was motivating. And he was in this book and he's talking about from city to city, he made an effort to say hi to people. And it made, it's a good, good book to read. I put it on my, um, I put it on one of my Amazon like influencer page or whatever with all the along with Ida's book. But um, he was saying like every city he went and the and and that's another thing. Reason why I like comedy is because they do keep up with your fans. And that's how you know what I'm saying. If the comic is good, me as a fan, I want to keep on going. Yeah. You know. And we keep an eye on you. And then we you that's how you sell out the theaters you sell so that it's important to have that connection with the fans. Yeah, I mean that's that's what we're doing it for to support it, right? Anyway, that's yeah. what the majority of us I would like to think are doing it for. Um, right. you know, connect with the people. To yeah. make to, to you know, give people warmth and a little bit of a break from their from their tough day to day, you know? Yes. And well we, we're comics and we need this shit too. So well, thank you so much, Gwen. It's been, I'm so glad to have you on because you're so personable and great to talk to and very inspiring. Oh, thank you. Um, can you please tell my audience where they can find you? So yes. plug in now your social medias and your websites. Yes, yes, please follow me on either Facebook or um, IG. I'm on both at Gwen LaRocca. So just like uh, you see it on the screen, Gwen LaRocca. So yeah, follow me on there or visit my website, GwenLaRocca.com. 
you sign up for the newsletter. Um, I do keep up with that. And I'll let you guys know when the next gigs are coming up. And hopefully, you know, some people who are out in Chicago or traveling out here can come check me out or keep up with me because I do travel as well. So hopefully I'm in your city and we can get some laughs together. Thank you so much, Marcella. I appreciate you. Thank you. And my name is Marcella Alonso. If you like to follow me, you can follow me on Marcella Sobella on IG, Facebook, and YouTube. If you'd like to see this full episode and many more of my episodes to both of my podcasts, you can go to MarcellaSobella.com. Thank you so much for coming on Sunday Funday. Thanks, guys.